Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl that dumped me twice in a week? And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. What was that? <laughs> I think I fell asleep there. Why? Why? Why would you want to do the episode with your eyes closed? So I could fall asleep. It makes no. What's the point? I'm 30, man. <laughs> that has nothing to do with being 30. It has everything to do with being 30. I'm tired. I'm feeling it. Well, you better get your shit together because we got a listener question today. What? We're recording. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do we got today? All right. I forgot I was supposed to read the question. I had already closed out the window. So this is what she said. This is what the question said. Okay. I dated this guy, real good dude, but he kept pestering me about how I shouldn't watch cartoons or talk a certain way because I'm too old to be doing that. Wearing certain clothes, just being generally smiley all the time in my childish nature. It got to a point that he was trying to stop me from living how I deemed suitable for me. So I dumped him. Just, wow. Uh, okay. That's best bold. I, you know, that's I like, pretty okay. bold, yeah. I was trying to whistle, but I couldn't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> she says, Randy, she directed that at me, Randy. Ooh. I nearly married this dude and completely changed for him, but I'm glad I didn't. Wow. But that begs the question, do you think there is an expectation of how you're supposed to act at 30? Certain traits that you're supposed to leave behind when you turn a certain age are those people that carry on a childlike nature seen as weirdos or unable to assimilate into this quote-unquote grown-up world. I know for myself, I have some childlike tendencies. I'm not sure what those childlike tendencies are. I can kind of hint at that. Okay. Or touch on it a little bit. I have some childlike tendencies, and I get told I'm too old to act a certain way. But it's part of my personality. But you should just do you, right? Whatever makes you happy. I just want to know your guys' view on it. So there are two things I take away from that question. Uh -huh. One, she's definitely struggling with herself. Mm -hmm. Okay, If you're not comfortable in your own skin, it's going to raise a lot of issues later on down the road. You can't stand up for yourself. You can't defend your choices. A man or a woman, for that matter, shouldn't dictate the way you are or the way you participate. Are you talking about someone else? Yeah. Not, okay. Your partner shouldn't be the one to dictate your personal preferences. Or what you like, what you do, how you do it, when you do it, how frequently, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're in a relationship with somebody, I would like to think that they appreciate those aspects of you. I mean, granted, I'm sure there's certain things that annoy everybody about their partner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But for the most part, these aren't things that are, are make or break. And if they are, then you probably shouldn't be in that relationship to begin with with that person. Some people really go too far with these things. Like, I, I guess it's, it's more of the perception of what it could become later that they might be afraid of. What do you mean? If the relationship were to go to the next stage, like marriage, mm -hmm. okay, so she alluded to the fact that she was thinking about marrying the guy. Yeah. Let's say these little childish uh, whatnots kind of get in his way of 
loving her to his fullest extent, potentially, right? It sounds like it. It sounds like it's creating some kind of tension. That could blow up even more after marriage because the expectations after marriage change, right? And we've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. But is that the ex- expectation of, oh, well, they wouldn't do this when they're married? When that's, you know, I was taught that you need to love someone where they are, where they're at. And if you're okay with them never progressing past where they are today, you know, not falling in love with the potential of somebody, essentially. If you can love them for who they are today, then you could probably love them for the rest of your life. Yeah, which is the exact opposite of what we're what we're addressing right now, which is that who whomever she was dating was very aware of the fact that he could not look past that. Right. And not everyone is raised in the same in the yeah. same regard. <laughs> we already understand that, right? Yeah. So it goes without saying that dude could have blown that shit up out of proportion after they got married because he's like, look, there's no more of this shit in the relationship. We're married now. Cut it out. Yeah. Which is cold to me. Mm-hmm. Some people do that. You know, some people just, they make you forget your old self. Yeah. After you get married because now it's me and you. So the expectation is, if I do something for you, you got to do something for me. It's like an eye for an eye kind of thing. Is it? I think that's just you. No, no, no. It's not my relationship, but that's a lot of people. I don't do that in my relationship at all. I feel like we had an entire episode where we talked about you did do that. Like what? That is your, 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 you, you do not do things selflessly. You do not believe in the selfless approach. It is an eye for an eye. <laughs> did we really? Yes. It might have come off the wrong way. Okay. Maybe. I have to go back to the archives, man. Yeah, we have, to, think go, we have to go revisit that one. But I let's, think that was. Let's go. Let's take a break right now. We're going to take a break. We're going to review that episode. We'll come back. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, should I pause it? What are we. No, we're not going to keep that in. Um, because, I mean, if we're talking about. I, I've had a few girls that I've dated really like to use baby talk. And it frustrated me. Yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But the thing is, I've seen other people and other couples, and they do it, and they indulge each other in the, the like, like they know when something's not right if they're not talking in baby talk. And I was just like, oh, really? That's, that's an interesting tell. But, you know, it's just everybody's different as far as their preference. Um, but things things like... She watches cartoons. Like, I don't see that as an issue, even in your 30s. I know a lot of people that are into cartoons or uh, animation or comics or, I mean, you're, you're into the whole fungo pop shit. Fungo. Is it fungo? Funko. Funko. Anyway, to the cartoon point, I don't think if dude realizes that Comic-Con is one of the biggest conventions in the world, what do you think that's all about? It's fucking comics, cartoons, video games. Right. The imagination. Dude clearly doesn't have a fucking imagination. And that's the thing. At 30, why would it be relevant to shed that, to shed your imagination? Why is imagination childish in nature? It's not. Well, this the whole point I wanted to make was I think it really goes into knowing your tribe, so to speak. Because there is a community, there is, I mean, if the internet has taught us anything, there is a community for anything and everybody. Yep. There is a place for people to feel at home with a group of peers that 
have the same interest, have the same vision or perception or whatever, there is a place for you. And I don't think that it's necessary to make that kind of sacrifice to be with someone that doesn't have a similar appreciation for the things that you have or that you love. Well, it goes back to the expectations of 30. If you really consider the expectation that's being placed on an individual or a group of individuals as they cross the threshold into 30, I think you got to realize the context. When people ask you for your age, it's more of a measuring stick. What do you mean? As to where your head's at. How is that even a measuring stick of where your head's at? Because in life, people expect you to be at a certain point at each milestone, right? And 30 is very much a milestone, right? Mm -hmm. And when people ask you your age or when they find your age, they expect a certain person. If that person is contrary to what they believe a 30-year-old should be, then you're considered more or less counterculture, right? And because of this, there is, again, a perception that goes against the reality that dictates, and in most cases, some people stick to that expectation that the perception is you should be devoid of you know anything prior to your 30s and you should be a completely new person, more mature, more responsible, in it for the greater good, more experienced. All these things lend themselves to define someone in their 30s based on some kind of societal perception that you are now more of an adult than you were in your 20s because yeah they call you an adult in your 20s but really it's it's more of a so it's like you going to burger king in your 20s getting a crown and putting it on and people can see you and they'll be like yeah, as just a kid in their 20s you know you could be adult one day you could be a kid the other day and, and no one's gonna judge you for it right it's your 20s it's a summation of your 20s. It's, it's an example. But in your 30s, you go to Burger King and you ask the guy behind the counter, hey, man, can I get one of those crowns? Just like that too? Yeah. Well, soft. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of soft. You know, you don't want your friends to hear it. Or maybe you do. I don't know. But one, he's going to look at you fucking funny. It's like you're obviously not in your fucking 20s anymore. You could tell. And two... The people around you, the people in your group, unless you're going to eat fast food alone, which in, in which case is fucking sad, um, they're going to judge you for it, right? You're a child. That's a, that's a societal stigma that goes along with it, right? And that's what we're dealing with every day, in our, every day of our lives. We have to live up to a certain societal expectation. And the whole nature of that analogy, I guess that example, that far out example, because no one's going to go to Burger King and ask for a fucking crown. Honestly, I don't even know if they make them anymore. Companies are going to be more green, so I'm sure you could download one, print it out at home and fucking, you know. <laughs> that doesn't make it any more green to download it and print it out. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't. But at least it's not on their dime. The whole point that I'm trying to make, though, is that there's a lot more on the line in your 30s. And if you're not willing to assume that responsibility, 
it's it's worrisome to a lot of people. Families, friends, loved ones, they're going to they're going to worry about you. You can do both. You can like cartoons and be a child at heart, but also be an adult about it, right? You could be mature about it. You could be um the experienced, you know, um world traveler, so to speak, whatever. But you could also be, you know, you can have your hobbies. That's nowadays, right? I think things have kind of shifted in that direction to where that's kind of acceptable now. You can have a cool kind of like off-the-wall hobby and still be a a respected member of your community, right? A venerable member of your community. Why can't you have the crown at 30? What's wrong with that? Is it and, and then what does it matter if society doesn't agree with it? And why are people worried about you? If you're able to take care of yourself and handle your own biz, what's the point of not living the life that you choose or see fit for yourself? Well, that's what I'm kind of arguing right now. I, I think you can. But you have to be willing to accept everything that comes with it. Sure. And that and that's a big part of it. And that's be uh, that's a big part of really just being comfortable in your own skin, right? Yeah, you have to own your truth. Knowing your boundaries and being able to accept those, right? What do you mean your boundaries? Your your limitations. What limitations? Um, let me rephrase that. It's about knowing yourself and knowing what you're willing to withstand in terms of the criticism, in terms of the negativity that, that's going to come your way if it if it does come. Maybe if you've established yourself as that kind of individual all along, People will accept you for it, but if you just kind of start developing it late in your thirties, then it's kind of weird, you know. It's kind of questionable. But if you've carried it along with you, and it's a part of your personality, I think it's fine. Why are you putting timelines on it? What if somebody didn't have the goal to actually own up and, and express their interest or share that they like this stuff the entire time? They just kept it hidden, and now when they reach thirty, say they have this, you know, fuck it attitude. They don't care anymore what people think. And they just do it. So seemingly it's out of the blue because they might not have been doing it throughout their 20s or throughout their entire life. It's not something that you've come to associate as, oh, well, that's just Turk being Turk or whatever the case is. Why is there limitations on it? Because people struggle with understanding the context behind your decision. And that's my point. And that's, and that's the thing. It's going to come with it, owning your truth, right? And this, I, I struggle with this all the time mm-hmm. still. Currently, really, being okay with where I'm at, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. The fact that, I mean, I, I know I know there's people that are better than me at what I do and being okay with it, knowing that I'm doing the best I can with where I'm at today. It is imperative to being successful, in my opinion, is you have to own, I keep saying own your truth, but really it's this idea of just accepting and being okay with not caring what other people think in the you know, not in a disrespectful way or, or rude in a sense, but people are always going to have something to say about you, whether you want to listen or pay attention or, right. or validate their, their thoughts. That's a whole different story. I think even if you go as far as to listen, you're validating their thoughts by giving them the, the audience, mm-hmm. you're definitely doing yourself a disservice. But you said something interesting in, in Buddhism, and I, 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 I didn't want to bring it up. Because I don't like involving religious talk, but you know what? 
Let's do it. It's funny that you grew up Catholic, but every time we talk about religion, it's always through Buddhism. Because I don't believe that the Catholic Church is truthful and honest when they say the things that they say because it's such a fucking ingenuine enterprise. Oh, maybe they haven't owned their truth yet. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What were you saying about Buddhism? An age-old institution <laughs> struggling with identity. In the Buddhist faith, it's all about loving yourself hmm. and doing things for other people, being more selfless. But it all starts with loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try to be a selfless individual, to be a enterprising individual, right, in any form of the word, you're going to put out negative energy into the world. And that's not going to help you progress, your, progress toward your goal and progress your mission. Mm-hmm. So without loving yourself and knowing that you love yourself, being conscious of it is the second part of it. You can't necessarily achieve greatness. It's impossible. When people come to me and they ask me, what can I change about my life in order to better myself? I always tell them that you have to start with you first. You have to take care of yourself, your health, your mental well-being, your just general happiness, right? Because if that's not taken care of, everything that you do is going to be poisoned. It's going to have this disingenuous aura to it to where it will seem like on the surface a noble cause, but deep down inside it, it it's it's hollow. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I remember my friend Lena, at, I was at her dad's memorial, and the one thing that I took away from that day was that everybody knew her dad for this one phrase, this one phrase, if you don't like what you're getting, change what you're given. And it's, and it's the same concept, right? If you don't right. like what's coming back to you, then you need to change what you're putting out into the world. Yeah. If you can't love yourself, then it is impossible for you to love someone else. And I feel that this will become a thing this will become mainstream culture because right now it's something where a very few, a very small population believe in this genuine enterprise, but not a whole lot of people are embodying it. Right. You know, that's the second time you mentioned culture, right? You said counterculture and then main culture. And I was listening to a friend's video or I was watching it. Well, I had it playing. I wasn't watching. I was listening to it. Sure. A promo video for a friend, my friend Geminelle, her this movement that she's she's a part of called the Tunnel Vision Artist, and one of the one of the founders of the the program or the the movement mentioned something about counterculture being the real culture, right? And okay. and that stuck with me because we're led to believe that counterculture is the misfits, the outcast, or the people that just don't want to conform. And in many times, counterculture really is the main culture. It is really what the masses are experiencing. It is what is happening now. And it is the necessary changes that are going to end up becoming the mainstream. But it takes the brave individuals to really not set the bar, but really get the ball rolling with this. It takes people to go out on a limb, to take a risk, to be absolutely fine with who they are and comfortable with the skin that they're in and do things differently and be okay with that backlash is going to happen because eventually there's more people that are going to see it. There's people that are going to relate to it. There's people that are going to get behind the movement. 
And that's when it actually becomes a movement in itself. That's when counterculture becomes the main culture. Yeah, it takes a whole lot of courage. And courage is contagious. And that's the whole point, right? Courage is courage stems from you being comfortable in your own skin because you, by being comfortable in your own skin, by knowing your own truth, as you put it, is inspiring others to do just that. But it takes that one thought leader, that one person to provoke that movement, that catalyst that gets it going. The one thing that I have against countercultural movements is the other bullshit that they end up tracking in as a result of their movement, right? The guys that just kind of ride on the coattails and they're like, hey, well, this is changing. I can change some shit too. And it's something stupid. Like I mean, that just goes into the whole Pepsi situation that happened a couple of weeks ago. The whole Kendall Jenner giving a Coke to a cop during a protest. Sure. I didn't understand, quite understand the significance of that, but. Because if it was just that easy to, to mentize a white woman giving a, a cop a, a Coke, then nobody would be getting beaten and arrested. Was the cop black? No, the cop wouldn't be black. Or the cop's race wouldn't be, would be irrelevant. Well, you said white woman, so I figured it was. Yeah, she's a white woman. As in she's, Kendall Jenner is the protester giving the cop the, the Pepsi for peace. Mm. Struggling to understand how that's counterculture. No, they're trying to ride it the wave of counterculture. Oh, ride the okay, kind of like yeah. All right, I get it. Um, yeah, there are a whole lot of other things that kind of ride coattails too. That's the thing. That's why counterculture gets kind of a bad rap in a lot of cases, right? Because there's a lot of auxiliary crap that just gets gets through unfiltered because of a change in cultural perspective, and. You know, one can argue even this whole fucking legalization of marijuana is one of those things, right? I mean, I think just... Why is it so loud? Okay. I think just the whole millennial experience is a countercultural experience. Embracing the fact that we have different timelines than previous generations. We have different obstacles than previous generations. And it's influencing our trajectory for hitting certain milestones. We are now becoming a counterculture and we're still seen as... Uh, inadequate in many cases. Mm, is it inadequate? I wouldn't say inadequate because look at all the books that are being published. Look at all the thought that's, that's being people generated. trying to capitalize on the counterculture. It could and be, it's, and, and it's not. And there's too many people that aren't willing to embrace it and openly say, "Yeah, I am struggling with this," or "Yeah, I went through the recession. I graduated here, and this is my life now." I am. I've talked to more people that are living at home in their 30s than, than, than I can even, I wouldn't even have thought that that was like a common thing. Yeah, that is a legit millennial characteristic though. Right. That is a statistic that we're measured by. Right. Or people that take a job just to pay the bills and then are, you know, working from, you know, 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. or no, probably not that ridiculous, but 5 to 9 p.m. probably on trying to get other things off the ground or start create their own path because they could not get into the path that they wanted that's already predetermined. They couldn't just get the job in the field they wanted because either the the market is just not providing opportunity or corporations or large companies are not looking for them. No, they're they're exploiting the desperation and offering lower pay wages, pay wages wages. Yeah, lower wages uh knowing that Many people are in need of a job and they can get away with pay them, paying them less than what they are actually valued at. Uh, but I mean, that, that's all part of this counterculture of the millennial experience, right? I don't even know if it's a counterculture. It's just a, a cultural experience that we are now 
that's really the shift. And people just aren't really embracing it or understanding it or accepting it. But all that to say, you have to own your truth. End of the day, with anything that you're doing, if you love watching cartoons or you're into comics or you have things that people seem as childish or immature, but you enjoy those aspects of, of your personality or pastimes, then own it. And don't be bothered by what other people say. As long as you're able to take care of yourself and manage, then what does it matter what anyone thinks of how you're doing or what you're doing with your time? So that about wraps up our thoughts to the question, is there anything we should be giving up at 30? And short answer is no. Love yourself. Love yourself. Be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. But if there is anything to give up, it is caring about what people think of you. Don't care. At all. Be yourself. Yeah. Love yourself. And if you want to love some Turk, Turk, where can the people find you? You can love you some Turk at Turk says no on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at I am Randy Z anywhere and everywhere. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes. And if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turk. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. left nostril beautiful like a fucking highway at 4 a.m my right nostril is a 405 in rush hour traffic this this has nothing to do with the question i know or is this an analogy already that you're gonna go into no not at all that should be cut okay but anyway Because all I think about is is Hitler. No, that hoe over there. Thought. T H O T. You don't know what a thought is. Yeah, it's it's a that hoe over there. That's the acronym for that hoe over there. Wow, no. Yeah, never and heard then, of that. Every time I think of that, it's like <laughs> thought leader. <laughs> and yeah, I just I second. I just like I think the phrasing is stupid. A thought leader. You're helping. Uh, Rosa Parks was a thought leader. She changed thought. <laughs> Martin Luther King was a thought leader. <laughs> I think we could actually use that to segue into the next series, but... Yeah, so how much of that do you think I'll be cutting out then? I don't know. Saving. I might throw some of it in the outro.